Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash talkawaythedark. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. President Biden was supposed to be in Chicago Wednesday, but canceled his trips as his domestic agenda hangs in the balance. Congress has until October 18th to raise or suspend the nation's debt ceiling. But a more ominous deadline looms. This vote on the infrastructure bill is supposed to be tomorrow, but it looks a long way off from here. Speaker Nancy Pelosi finds herself caught between progressives who want to enact the ambitious social programs in the reconciliation bill and centrists who have balked at spending trillions more. As things currently stand, key House progressives say they will vote against the bill should it come up for a scheduled vote on Thursday. Congressman Mike Quigley serves Illinois' 5th District, which includes Chicago's north side and near suburbs. And he also sits on the powerful House Appropriations Committee. And Congressman Quigley is crystal clear on what has to get done in order to avoid an economic catastrophe. Hopefully today we will pass both measures, one to uh, continue funding for our government so we don't shut down tomorrow, and the other to raise the debt ceiling or to uh, waive it for a certain period of time so we don't crash our economy, our markets, and uh, world markets. So uh, no pressure there. So if, if we don't come to a deal on our nation's debt, what are the consequences? Uh, you know, the person I found the, is the best to quote on that was President Ronald Reagan. He wrote, the full consequences of a default or even a serious prospect of default by the United States are impossible to predict and awesome to contemplate. You know, he was right. Playing games with full faith and credit of the United States is reckless, dangerous, and unacceptable. Hey, and Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell said a couple years ago, uh, America can't default. That would be a disaster. So uh, fair enough. Why are we here? Uh, This shouldn't be up to Congress at this point in time. It should happen automatically because we're the ones who put us under those obligations, and there shouldn't be an opportunity for us to default. Who are the, the main players that you would say are standing in the way? Uh, well, look, at this point in time, the House passed a measure uh, some weeks ago to uh, fund the government and to uh, extend the debt ceiling. Uh, it got no Republican support in the House. The Senate hasn't passed this. So now we'd have to pass a clean measure on both, uh, which seems impossible to contemplate. Uh, but hopefully that will happen today. And again, I suspect it will get no Republican support in either chamber. Mitch McConnell has made it clear it's up to us to do this. Uh, That would be like one of the spouses in a family saying, you're going to have to pay all our bills because I want to tighten our belts here and be more conscientious of money. These are obligations we already have. We are all responsible for meeting those obligations. Mm -hmm. Well, let's dig into that a little bit more. What, What options are available to Congress to prevent this disaster that many economists, including Treasury Secretary Yellen and and federal chair Powell foresee? 
At this point in time, what Congress can do is to pass this measure immediately. Uh, Long term, what we can do is, I believe, pass legislation that frankly takes it out of our hands, makes meeting this obligation not necessary for Congress to play a role at all. Because obviously, we can't be uh, responsible enough to make sure this doesn't take place every so often. The fact that Reagan was writing about it in the early 80s Uh, and that we're still talking about it today, uh, shows that it's an ongoing problem. Any surprises there for you? Uh, I don't know that I should be surprised anymore that this sort of thing can take place, but it's maddening and frustrating. As you know, we have many more things to do. I think it sends a, a horrible message to the rest of the world that we're dysfunctional, and I think that does hurt us from a diplomatic point of view, an economic point of view. People who have less faith in the United States to operate on a functioning basis makes us less stable, less reliable, and therefore the rest of the world looks upon us in a different light. Is there any possibility of extending talks beyond that October 18th deadline? You know, I suppose we could do this short term again, but it makes no sense. I I remind my Republican colleagues that the debt ceiling was suspended three times under President Trump. And again, Mitch McConnell said this would be a disaster. Frankly, I think what we will do is extend this for some period of time. I think the continuing resolution that will fund the government will be passed today by both chambers. But it will only take us till December. And then again, we play this game of brinksmanship with funding the government before we will finally inevitably pass measures that will fund the government through the end of the fiscal year. Again, something we shouldn't have to contemplate. You know, we're playing brinksmanship when we're in the middle of a public health crisis. If we were to shut down the government, uh, the fact is tonight we would furlough thousands of public health workers and researchers at the National Institute of Health and the CDC. It's incomprehensible that we're at this point. Uh, and again, we're, we're trying to get an infrastructure package and we're trying to deal with reconciliation. We're not even at that point because we're just at the 101 basics of running a government. Congressman, I want to pivot to discussing the infrastructure bill. Set the stakes for us. What is in the bill and what do you think it will do for the average American? Sure. Uh, This is the largest investment in our nation's infrastructure in our history, uh, beginning with public transit. I've heard people say we're critical that it's not a traditional infrastructure bill. And in many respects, it is. There's $110 billion to repair our roads and bridges and other surface transportation projects, $25 billion for airports, you know, money for the electric grid and power infrastructure, electric vehicles, $55 billion for water systems, and again, so much for public transit. But, you know, we, we can't think of this bill as being our parents' infrastructure bill because it can't be. We have to build infrastructure for the next century, not the last one. Um, so while we do many of those things, we do have to deal with the digital divide. We do have to make ourselves more resilient and build infrastructure for climate change, for example. So I, I think that's a large part of it. Uh, it simply has to be done. And again, right now, we have a bill that passed the Senate with uh, bipartisan support. Mm-hmm. Speaker Pelosi has said she will put it on the floor. But as you discussed at the top of the program, You know, there are disputes within both caucuses as to whether they will support this measure. 
So again, what do you think this will do for Americans? Uh, first of all, we're being outspent four to one to six to one by our economic competitors across the world. If you look at Europe, India, China, uh, we're falling behind. So what this will do is make our country competitive from an economic point of view. It will uh, allow us to compete and rebuild our not just our physical infrastructure, but uh, our workers' infrastructure as well. And I'm talking about the comparison, you know, when when we think about the history of such projects and what they do, uh, to answer your question, I think it transforms America. You know, FDR didn't just rebuild existing infrastructure. He electrified rural America, changed the world for them. When Eisenhower came back from uh, World War II in Europe, uh, he saw what transportation meant. He didn't rebuild just country roads. He helped build the interstate highway system, which, again, changed this country. This bill can do the same thing. It's not just economic development and opportunities. It's building for the next generation. It's changing the world for them. You know, sometimes it seems that conservative Democrats like Joe Manchin and, and Kirsten Cinema get as much, if not more, attention than Republicans who oppose the price tag. What do you think your Democratic colleagues want? Um, it's frustrating at some times to try to figure that out. Um, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity to rebuild our country and build for the future. You know, I understand they want to have a say in this, but so does the typical member of Democrats on the House side, right? I think we should care just as much about each other's needs as we do our own. Right. I should care just as much about rebuilding the locks on the Mississippi as they should care about rebuilding the shoreline along the Great Lakes. Right. And keeping invasive species from getting into the Great Lakes. We're all interconnected. We all need each other. And if we're all we're doing is looking at a parochial interest and saying, what's in it for me? You know, we're never going to accomplish anything and we're going to be destructive instead of constructive. And again, we're going to fall farther behind our economic competitors. What are the red lines that you believe that President Biden should not cross just to get a deal? Uh, It depends on which thing we're talking about. As far as the the simple measures, you know, we've got to fund the government. That's simple enough to understand. Long-term debt ceiling relief, that's an obvious basic that anybody would expect. I think there's wiggle room for him on the infrastructure bill, on the reconciliation bill. The hardest part for him is, is getting others to recognize. You know, Bobby Rush said something very wise to me when I first got here. Uh, In D.C., most people think compromises get any other guy to do it your way. Uh, The president has an ambitious agenda here when he talks about reconciliation and infrastructure. I think there's some leeway there, give or take, you know, what those are. And I think he's shown a willingness to compromise. I don't think the president's the problem in that vein. Uh, I think it's within Congress, again, those failing to recognize that you're not going to get everything you want. And I'll tell you, If there is an inside scoop here, it's part of human nature and that there are too many people here who don't want to work and play well with others and uh, who are willing to compromise. Because in the final analysis, everything that gets done in D.C. is through compromise. My first big task, and if you're looking at comparing anything the president's trying to do, my first two years here, we passed the health care law 
under President Obama. Mm -hmm. And that was, as you know, a series of compromises. But it had, again, a dramatic impact. So I was asked the same question then. What should President Obama be willing to compromise? It's a fluid state. It's a give and take. In the final analysis, you got to ask yourself, does this accomplish the main task that we want to get done? And if it does, you move forward and then you try to get more later. In the final minute I have with you, Congressman, tell us the signs over the next few days that you think are going to indicate where things are headed on the debt ceiling and the infrastructure bill. Well, we're going to note today about the continuing resolution that funds the government because the signs will be in the, if the lights go out, we didn't get it done. Um, I do think we'll get past those two points. If you see people willing to vote for one bill with some degree of trust that the other one will get done, that's an indication that both will get done. We can outthink ourselves here and accomplish absolutely nothing. So if you see measures continue to move forward and a willingness to do that, you see signs that are positive. If you see someone else call a press conference and say, if I don't get X, Y, and Z and exactly what I want, I'm not voting for this, the margins are so small, it's an indication that nothing will get done. That's Congressman Mike Quigley of Illinois' 5th District. He serves Chicago's north side and near suburbs. Thank you so much for your time, Congressman. Thank you. Take care. Well, that's it for today's Reset. For more of our interviews, subscribe to this podcast. And please, give us a rating. It helps other listeners find us. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Thanks for listening. We'll meet again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day.